Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. I hope your 2024 is off to an amazing start. I'm probably going to sound a little bit like the Prince of Darkness today in this podcast because I want to talk to you about war. We have been at war in a low-grade way in a lot of ways in the last decades, but right now at the dawn of 2024, we have some of the greatest threats we've ever had, at least I would say in the last 20, 30 years of war breaking out and of it being major war. And the funny thing is most Americans aren't aware of it. You know, wars don't just suddenly land on your coast, usually, not in this era. They start as a little cloud the size of a man's hand, as the Bible says, (laughs) arising on the horizon. They uh, suggest themselves by ongoing tensions that suddenly escalate. They come about because two people groups or two nations who hate each other suddenly have incursions. And that's what's going on today. So most Americans are focused on the Israeli war in Gaza, which the U.S. is supporting on the Israeli side. And there's great devastation there. By the way, be careful about believing the Hamas numbers. There's no question that we need to spare life as much as possible. But usually what happens is the Western press reports the Hamas numbers, deaths, casualties, destruction, and they are hardly ever Right. Until the Red Cross gets in there, until other international agencies get in there, until they allow Americans in there, we don't know the numbers. We do know, and I'm perfectly willing to concede, because I have dear friends who live in Gaza, and I have, of course, dear friends in Israel. And I am largely pro-Israel in terms of its international standing in the world. Uh, However, I will say that there's no question that we've got to see a sparing of life, that great destruction is being done to human life. And that's exactly what Hamas knew what would happen when they did what they did on October the 7th. But that's not my topic for this podcast. So let me move forward and make sure that you know exactly what's happened because we have war threatening on a great many fronts. Most people are focused on Gaza. Most people are focused on Ukraine. For those of you who like to listen to what Stephen Mansfield believes, um, I believe that if we do not help Ukraine back off Russia, Russia will would, would, it won't now because it's been held to a stalemate, but would take over Ukraine, would thus have warm water ports, would thus have a lot of natural resources to continue to fund Putin's aspirations for a renewed Russian empire. And of course, in Gaza, as I've already said, this was clearly meant to be. You know, a lot of times you have, when you have asymmetrical battlefields, asymmetrical wars, meaning one side outweighing the other by a great deal, the goal is not to win the war. The goal is political. The goal is to draw international attention, and that's exactly what Hamas intended. In fact, that decision was made in Tehran. You all know, I'm sure, that Hamas works for Tehran, as does Hezbollah, as do the Houthis in Yemen. So all of that to say, this October 7th lunacy on the part of Hamas was all about getting the world to pay attention and hopefully moving towards a two-state solution. Now, I'm not in favor of that. I do not believe that is the proper solution. I disagree with American foreign policy on that issue, but let's set that aside. So most Americans are focused on Ukraine and they're focused on the Israeli war in Hamas. 
Actually, it's a Hamas war. They picked it. But a whole lot else is going on. And I urge you, because you're all people, everyone who listens to this podcast is eager to, to know, what do I watch? What do I pay attention to? What are the trends? What's happening? And so let's dive in. A lot of things are taking place and it's very, very dangerous. For example, uh, North Korea stated here just recently that it would no longer be interested in a, quote, peaceful reunification with South Korea. They just announced this this past week, and I'm recording this on the 22nd of January. For a lot of years, for really since the Korean War, though there's been a lot of war talk and, you know, jaw-jaw war-war, as Churchill said, the fact of the matter is, or some people call it saber-rattling, the fact of the matter is it was pretty much accepted that North Korea was open to, given ridiculous terms, however, but open to a quote-unquote peaceful reunification with South Korea. They have now abandoned that. This is a nuclear power. We think they have nuclear power. This is an isolated northern kingdom. It's a personality cult nation, and they are now saying that they are no longer interested in peaceful reunification with the South. Okay. In addition to that, in the same week, something has happened in Taiwan that most Americans are unaware of. A man named William Lai, who is the Democratic Progress Party presidential candidate in Taiwan, was voted into office. He's a man the Chinese did not approve. He's a man who is pro-democracy. He's a man who's pro-Taiwan. And so this basically put the finger in the eye of the Chinese. So the Chinese have been conducting military operations very, very closely around Taiwan and through the Straits, making it very, very clear that they intend to do something. By the way, I want to make it very clear that the head of China, President Xi, probably better pronounce that Xi, that he told President Biden in San Francisco late last year that they would, that China would act to retake Taiwan. And President Biden said, you better not, uh, but that he's not moved any carrier groups into the region and uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But be aware, the Chinese are ticked off. They are concerned that they are seeing a more than low-grade rebellion in Taiwan. The election of Mr. Lai is a huge insult to them, though it's a tremendous step forward for democracy. Problems are happening. There are joint air and sea patrols uh, being conducted by the Chinese as we speak around Taiwan and specifically throughout the Straits, which is very, very significant. Now, while that's going on, Pakistan and Iran are also at it as well. Most of you are going, what in the world are you talking about? I was paying attention to Iran when it comes to the Houthis and it comes to Hamas and it comes to Hezbollah on the West Bank and along the border of Lebanon. But what are you talking about? Yes, uh, Iran engaged in an airstrike against Pakistan. They don't like each other. And so Pakistan retaliated by conducting an airstrike inside of Iran. Uh, Both uh, have targeted civilians, which is something you normally don't do. You're just trying to tweak the nose of your older brother. If you're just trying to pick a little bit of a fight, uh, you don't shoot his girlfriend. Uh, you know, you take his money or you steal his, his leftover chicken in the refrigerator. You don't pull out the, the full powers that you have to do harm. Well, that's what's going on. Both Iran and Pakistan have killed civilians. They have struck civilian targets. Uh, There's great tragedy. There's great weeping. And this has the possibility to dramatically 
escalate. I want to pause and say that I've traveled in Iran. My father served in Iran years ago. We, uh, I, I love the people of Iran very, very much. And there are many Iranians who listen to this podcast, but I will tell you that Iran is one of the evil nations in this world. I'm talking about the government now, not the people, not the people. Uh, the Iranian government is absolutely a sponsor of state terrorism. They are picking fights left and right. They are killing civilians. It's Iran that's behind the Houthis. It's Iran that's behind Hamas. It's Iran that's behind Hezbollah. It's Iran that's picking a fight with Pakistan. So we are going to have to deal with Iran eventually. And yes, they are more prosperous than most people think. Most Westerners especially think of all the Middle Eastern countries, except for Saudi Arabia, as basically third world countries without big militaries. Not true in the case of Iran. A lot of natural resources. They're constantly bumping up against developing nuclear weapons. They have a lot of wealth and they are using it to spread terror in the world. Remember now that Iran is largely Shiite and that other nations with whom they've had tension, Iraq, for example, are largely Sunni. So keep all that in mind. Very, very important. Now, as if that's not enough, uh, NATO recognizing all of this, recognizing what's going on, uh, is doing its military exercises for this year, and it is mobilizing 90,000 troops, which is the biggest military exercise since the dawn of the Cold War. Think about that. Think about that. They are mobilizing the largest force they have mobilized since the Cold War because they're recognizing what is going on. And I'll tell you where some of the biggest threat is. It's along the Lebanese border with Israel. Now, people don't know much about Hezbollah. Hezbollah is definitely sponsored by Iran. It, too, is Shia or Shiite, as we say often in the West. Uh, they number about 20,000 active military. They got about 30,000 in reserve. They get hundreds of millions in arms from Iran. And let me tell you the stat that ought to scare you. Hezbollah, in uh, largely in Lebanon, is the best armed non state entity in the world, meaning they're the, they are the organization that has the most weapons for those organizations that are not nations, that are not states. Now think about that. That is really something. Uh, that really does mean that they are capable of doing some serious damage. And by the way, they're constantly firing missiles into Israel, uh, constantly uh, bombarding U.S. bases in the Middle East. Um, as you know, I do a lot with the Kurds and some of the, uh, the, the U.S. military bases in the northern part of Iraq, where a great many Kurds are, um, are saying that the, their missiles are doing unbelievable damage, unbelievable damage. And God bless our American military there who are having to sustain these bombardments all the time. There is a columnist I like very much, often says very wise things. And his name is Nick Kristoff. I'm switching topics just for a moment. He says, North Korea is acting in a highly unusual way, leading some veteran analysts to fear it is preparing a surprise attack, listen now, on South Korea and perhaps on Japan and Guam as well. Now, why am I finishing with that quote? I want you to understand that the situation in our world right now is not normal. 
Uh, I like the fact he says that North Korea is, is acting in highly unusual ways. Let's adopt that phrase. We are living in highly unusual times. The situation is highly unusual. You're literally talking about the possibility of North Korea smacking Guam. That's a U.S. territory. We would definitely go to war over that. And by the way, I've been in Guam when they're on alert because there's a, re- a, a Chinese sub sitting directly underneath the island, the island of Guam is a supported uh, picture a person who's bow-legged. I have some dear friends who are bow-legged who like to joke about it all the time. Picture that the supports underneath Guam are bow-legged and it's possible for Chinese subs to move into those uh, the openings in the rock formations and just sit there and just monitor communications. Well, bear in mind, Guam's a U.S. territory. Then you're talking about Japan. Well, we would defend Japan uh, if there was some incursion and, and, and to, for North Korea to strike Japan is unbelievable. So you have that crisis going on with American territories. You've got Hezbollah in the West Bank and along the border with Lebanon. You've got North Korea misbehaving, of course. You've got Pakistan and Iran firing at civilian targets inside each other's countries. You've got Gaza. You've got Ukraine. I could go on. So we are living at a time when there are a great many war fronts. I will be surprised if we get through 2024 without a major war breaking out. And if I had to guess, it would either be an escalation of what's happening now with Israel and Gaza, largely that escalation pushed by Iran and all of its little client terrorist organizations, again, Houthis, Hamas, and Hezbollah, or uh, it's going to be with China over Taiwan. And I look at the political situation in the U.S., and I'll say that neither of the men who are likely to run for president are great wartime presidents. Mr. Biden has no military experience. Granted, he's been in the Senate for years, House and the Senate. He's received a lot of military, a lot of briefings. Uh, He's been commander in chief for a while. He's got some experience, but he hasn't proven himself to be uh, a very effective commander in chief. By the way, some of these actions are very likely because he's perceived to be unbelievably weak. Remember, he started his presidential administration by pulling U.S. troops out of Afghanistan and leaving an absolute disaster and paving the way for the renewed rise of the Taliban. So, On the international scene, we are looking at wars and conflicts that may well be uh, behind the scenes when we're playing the 3D chess of diplomacy. They may be testing whether Mr. Biden is as addled as many people in the world think he is. I'm not being personally insulting. I don't believe in engaging in ageism, uh, but there's not a lot respect for for him on the international scene. He's dotty. He's older. He doesn't seem to be strong. He doesn't seem to hold a line. He supports countries and then chastises them for using the weapons we give them. He's upset with Zelensky. He's upset with Netanyahu. Uh, Everybody knows that this is a weak presentation in the world. Then I'll have to say that Mr. Trump doesn't actually believe in wars abroad. He's a businessman who thinks primarily about the bottom line, and he would be very, very slow for us to go to war. So uh, I'm not quick for us to go to war. I'm not wanting us to put American youth and American young men and women at harm's way. I've done those funerals. I've been uh, where those decisions are made. I've been at those posts overseas. I've never served in uniform, uh, but I have grieved the loss of young American lives and been there uh, right in the middle of firefights uh, in Iraq, for example. And that doesn't make me any big deal. I'm just saying I've watched this stuff go on and I wouldn't wish it on a dog. And so I hope we don't go to war, but it's likely we're going to. And Mr. Trump 
is the kind of man who will yank U.S. troops overnight. And he did, by the way, in southern, along the southern coast of Turkey. And I was on the ground in Iraq and people were dying because of it. So he's basically anti-war because of a kind of America first, isolationist, uh, bottom line sort of perspective. And Mr. Biden is not a great war president because he, he doesn't send a consistent signal. So we are heading for some difficult days. War is on the horizon. All wars we would be involved in, except possibly with Pakistan and Iran. And we technically have uh, a military arrangement with Pakistan. It's a tough time. It's a violent time. People are going to die. Keep your eye on it. Pray. 2024 is likely to be a year of war. Field is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.